The Chris Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Chris Cast. I'm your host, Chris. Joining me once again through Spotify for Podcasters app is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. And I have a surprise taste test this week, which we'll get to here in a few minutes, but I'll do a little bit of food news first. First up is from foodsided.com. Lucky Charms Hidden Dragon Cereal reveals even more magic in the bowl. Basically, it's color-changing marshmallows in the Lucky Charms. Mm. They reveal hidden dragons in the marshmallows. You know, if you're on cocaine or taking some kind of hit or something, and all of a sudden your cereal turns to dra- dragons. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that, Paul, because I'm not a big drug fiend like you are. I don't take drugs. What are you doing? I, ain't, I don't take drugs. Yeah. Since since people can't see what's going on, don't know what's going on, you just convinced everybody really well there. No, there's a, I'm, I'm taking care of a dog, and he's just like, he was chewing on something random over there beside the refrigerator, and I do not know what that was. What did you do? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it's like a three-year-old child in the house. But, but yeah, I, I don't eat marshmallow cereal, so I won't be getting the Lucky Charms Hidden Dragon. I don't eat Lucky Charms, but I used to years ago. But I I did get a box of Kit Kat cereal the other day, which I didn't know about until I saw it on the shelf. And I haven't tried it yet because I'm still finishing off my Reese's Puffs. So when I get it, try it, I'll give a taste test. But I, I only open one box of cereal at a time because it'll go stale if I don't. Oh, no. See, I like to have a buffet. No. I like three or four. No, I got I a friend of mine who actually mixes three at one time and eats them. No. I want one flavor, and that's it. He'll mix Cocoa Puffs with with Captain Crunch. That just sounds disgusting. Hey, it's chocolate and peanut butter. It's like Reese's. Well, unless you're doing it with the peanut butter crunch. Does Crunch Berries with that? No. No, he does um, Cocoa Puffs with, with Captain Crunch. Well, they're all Captain Crunch. It's just, there's Peanut Butter Crunch, there's Crunch Berries. There's yeah, it's the, I, think does, I think it's the Peanut Butter Crunch that he eats it with. So. But since we've been gone, this and because Paul couldn't record last week, so we're a week behind as as it is. But the this article is telling me this week this article is about two weeks old. So, but it's Coca Cola's newest flavor is aimed at gamers. For this new flavor called Coca Cola Ultimate, and this is from WTOP.com, WTOP News. For this new flavor called Coca-Cola Ultimate, the soda maker partnered with Riot Games, which publishes the multiplayer online battle arena game League of Legends. Ultimate will be available in the U.S. and Canadian stores starting June 12th for a limited time in regular and zero-sugar varieties. Globally, it's available just in zero-sugar and is rolling out this week. And I don't know if it says... The line of abstract flavors, each paired with a digital experience, is designed to drum up excitement 
spark coke among young consumers by focusing on music and online games. Now, what was the name of that again? Uh, Coca-Cola Ultimate. I think I've seen that in the grocery stores already. I think I saw them um, food line this evening. Well, according to the article, it's supposed to have been out for nine days. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen that. But, but yeah, I'm, again, I'm not a fan of sodas, so won't be doing that one. But something that I would have potential on getting is the new offerings from Pringles. Is Pringles Harvest Blends, and this is from their website. You have Farmhouse Cheddar and Sweet Potato Sea Salt, which just sounds disgusting. Actually, sweet sounds good. Smoky barbecue and multi-grain homestyle ranch. So I would do the cheddar and the ranch. I don't know if I would do the sweet potato versions. I think the sweet potato would be good, and I like I like sweet potato chips. You ever had sweet potato chips? I am not big on sweet potatoes to begin with. I love regular potatoes. I don't care for sweet potatoes. Hmm. I like. I, See, sweet potatoes is the good carb. It doesn't act like regular potato chips. So it doesn't, like, make you fat. And I, I will say I had a lot more food articles. I had a lot more of every article, and I just condensed for time because if I'd have gone through everything, I had, like, 50-some articles pulled up. Oh, hell no. So I, I've condensed quite a bit from what I had. No, 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 no. <laughs> In, in the effort of trying to get through this and not keep going on everything, there's there's some things I'll touch on, some things that, like, we will dwell on some things later, but right now I'm just kind of going through pretty quickly and mentioning what I saw, but there's a lot of food stuff that I left out, like, I left Did out you the see the one that came out today? What? About the um, renewable source chicken that's been approved by the FDA. I have no clue what that is. It's um, they took cells and just like regenerated them from chicken in the lab, and they now that it's been approved by the FDA for them to produce it. So clone chickens, basically for sale. Basically, yes. And they said it, um, you know, it won't kill chickens to make them. It's lab-grown meat. And it's been two organizations that's going to start making it for restaurants. And then after that, it's going to go nationwide. For like grocery stores. But it is more expensive than regular chicken because it costs more to make. But it is like renewable source chicken. I just, I don't know about eating clones. Well, I don't, I don't mind it if, if it's healthier than regular and if it isn't pumped full of hormones and stuff like that if it's like more clean i don't mind it but i'll try it i'm game um, I'll try it. i'm gonna tell you the the best vegetarian chicken i've come across is corn q-u-o-r-n what was that again corn q-u-o-r-n is how it is spelled that is some tasty stuff. Where you find that at? I find it at Ingles. I, 
I mean, it's Walmart has had it in the past, but they don't carry it anymore. So it's more like a like a Harris Teeter or a, a more of a gourmet type grocery that, store um, that carries it. Is it like chicken nuggets or chicken patties or what? They have nuggets, cutlets, diced. So it's several. They have chicken patties. I mean, there's several different versions of it that you can get, but it's really, really good. Is it expensive? I didn't know more than anything else. Mm. And did you see the new shake at McDonald's? Um, for Grimace, yeah. I just don't know about that. Well, it's celebrating Grimace's birthday. But when you think of the definition of Grimace, and then you're putting that on food. Like, I know it's a character, and do you really want a negative association with the food you're selling? Why is Grimace a negative? If you're grimacing? Grimace is just the name of the character. But grimace is a word, and if you're grimacing in pain or something, that's a negative. You don't know. You're not. Did you not grow up a grimace? Yes, but I'm saying putting that name on a food product, like if you're going to grimace every time you drink it. See, I never did think about that because grimace, I think, is the character, and they have the picture of the character there too. So you're the only one thinking that. I think. Oh, I don't think I'm the only one thinking that. Well, I didn't think of that word associating it with pain. To be, um, I thought it was the purple dinosaur type thing, whatever it is. Well, I mean, when, when you go with Grimace Shake, first thing I think of is grimacing in pain. Okay, we got to agree to disagree here. So what do we got next? It might be tasty, but I'm just saying it's it's not the the best thing to to go with. I've seen it. I was, it. Cool I was there at doing, hold, hold on, because you interrupted me before when I tried to say it. Pop Tarts is actually doing a retro box this this summer. Really? Yeah. So that was one of the things I was going to talk about, but I didn't pull up the article, so I don't know the exact details. But they're supposed to be releasing their product in retro boxes instead of the modern day packaging. Cool. Now, what were you saying? Um, I saw where um, I was just in food line again and they have a tricks pop tart. Um, Very nice. Huh? Very possible. They do a lot of them. It's a Trix Pop-Tart, and they had some other kind of a Pop-Tart there. Apple Jacks. Apple Jacks Pop-Tart. Out, and it says limited time. I started to grab them, but I try not to eat Pop-Tarts all the time because you're just so loaded with sugar and calories. Well, I, I can't eat the frosted ones because of the gelatin in them. But now they, they had the peanut butter cookie one. Yeah. And those were good. Like, they were dry because they had no frosting on them. Well, they, they, also have, they also have a snickerdoodle one, too, and it had no frosting. It just, like, dusted with cinnamon and sugar. Yeah, I don't know if I would like that one, but the, the peanut butter Pop-Tarts with, with a glass of milk were really good. But um, I'll go ahead and do my, my quick food review right now because 
the next few things I have are about physical locations, not really food. They're food related. So, but Oreo has re-released a flavor that I didn't know existed before. It is Oreo cotton candy flavor. Mmm, that sounds interesting. And I got them and tried them. And let me tell you, they taste like cotton candy. They really do. Do they really? They really do. It is the the golden cookie with the cotton candy icing inside. And I mean, you know you're not eating cotton candy when you eat it, but you still, it still tastes like cotton candy. They did a really good job on it. So if you like cotton candy and you like Oreos, get the cotton candy Oreos because they're really good. All the other flavor blends that they've come up with, like um, caramel apple in the past and all that, they've actually tasted like caramel apple. And it's it's amazing what they can do with those cookies. Well, the the peanut butter Oreos are really good. The, the mint Oreos are really good. The I never tried the watermelon ones. Everybody's like, oh, that sounds disgusting. I'm like, how does that sound disgusting? It's the golden cookie. It's not the chocolate cookie. I don't I don't know if I've tried the watermelon one or not. I don't know if they'll ever release them again, but they were out at one point in time, and I never found them to, to try them. So. Didn't they come out with a candy corn one last year, fall and Christmas? Halloween? Probably, but I don't eat candy corn, so I wouldn't have tried it. Yeah. And I, I will say, people say that it doesn't change the flavor when they color the icing in it, but I'm sorry, it does. Like, when they do the red dye in the icing for Christmas, for Christmas and the orange dye in the icing for Halloween, it really does change the flavor a little bit. You think so? Oh, I, I can tell. Because I eat Oreos regularly. And there is a difference. It's like people used to scoff at me for saying that the Reese's peanut butter eggs, the original ones, were a certain size. Yeah. Because now you get those six packs and they're smaller. Mm-hmm. But the, the original Reese's eggs were better than the Reese's cups because the chocolate peanut butter ratio was different. And you're like, oh no, it's the same. No, there is a true difference to them. I like the Reese's eggs that they come out with. It's kind of like the Cadbury eggs. They're shaped like an egg and like a real egg, and you unpeel it just like a Cadbury egg. Oh, my God. That chocolate is so thick, and there's so much peanut butter inside of it. Oh, it's so good. It comes out every year at Easter, and I can't wait for those to come out. Well, now the the um, the um if you get the, the Reese's egg in the right size, it is... Um, like a dollar fifty each. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just too cheap to pay that. No, like, you're cheap. I I can get six of them for four fifty, as opposed to one for a buck fifty. Yeah. You get them in Three, pack. You're getting twice the amount for the the six pack that you are one. So yeah, I'll go for those. Yeah. But anyways, the the first physical location that I have pulled up, this is from the, the LA Times. Netflix to launch pop-up restaurant featuring well-known chefs. A Netflix, Netflix de- restaurant? Netflix is debuting its first pop-up restaurant on June 30th in Los Angeles 
at the Short Stories Hotel, the streaming service announced Tuesday. And this was published, it says yesterday, but let me refresh it and see what it says, because I've had this article up for a little while here. June 14th. So it was announced June 13th. But the restaurant Netflix Bites will feature, quote, a special tasting menu curated by chefs featured in some of its most popular culinary shows, as well as custom cocktails by mixologists featured on the show Drink Masters. Although the menu has yet to be revealed, the streaming service said chefs Curtis Stone from Iron Chef Quest for an Iron Legend, Dominique Crenn of Chef's Table and Iron Chef, and Jacques Torres of Nailed It are among those who will curate the menu. There's no way. It will not be the streaming service's first foray into a live experience. Last year, Netflix hosted a, quote, Bridgerton ball, named after the popular series. Now, Chris, you know, I might have not heard it because that's getting me some water right quick, but did they say where that pop-up restaurant's going to be located at? Los Angeles. L.A.? Of course yep. it's going to be located in L.A. And you can guarantee the menu is going to be very pricey just from the hours that they're open. It says, according to the restaurant's website, it will be open daily from 5 to 10 p.m. on weekdays and 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on weekends. Reservations are being accepted. So it's going to be dinner and then for brunch and lunch on the weekends. Yep. Yeah, and if they're getting these five-star chefs coming in there doing that, you're going to be paying for it. But uh, why would Netflix have a restaurant? I don't understand that. Because they have cooking shows on there. I know that, but that's like, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's it's chefs from their cooking shows. I know, them. but that's kind of like, that's kind of, why don't the Food Network come out with a restaurant? And say, hey, we got a pop-up restaurant. And we have all these chefs here. Well, they might have at some point. But, you know, is, it, is she on the Food Network, Paula Dean? Because she's got her own line of restaurants. Well, she does. So, and, her, and her sons have restaurants, too. So, I mean, it's, it's not something unheard of. But now this next one. This one kind of intrigued me. It's from foodandwine.com. Cheez-It opens filling station with cracker dispensing pump. That's a bit much. Visitors to the Joshua Tree, California area are truly spoiled for choice when it comes to jaw-dropping natural attractions. There's Joshua Tree National Park, the Mojave Trails National Monument, and the Mojave National Preserve, and now Cheez-It has added its own must-see spot on the local landscape. And it's, they've got pictures on here. And again, this is from foodandwine.com for anybody out there who wants to see it. But it looks rather interesting and like a retro-style convenience store. It does. What are you doing, bud? And the, the Cheez-It pump there is rather large, so you can fill up a duffel bag with it. I just... 
but it's it's dispensing them in single serve bags. And the it's more or less like a novelty type thing for people. That's to what it's supposed to be. It's just a little tourist trap. Yeah, but, but the inside looks rather nifty too with all the cheese inspired stuff. That gives me gas just looking at it. You don't like Cheez-Its? I do, but they don't like me. Well, I, I would love to visit that if I were anywhere close to it. And then one other food-related dealing with Taco Bell partnering with Crocs. Because, you know, the ugliest shoe on earth needed to team up with Taco Bell. Careful, I got and two pair of them. They're squads instead of typical crops. They've got the open toes on them. But... Uh, that's not too bad. Uh, they're still ugly. Uh, I am a firm believer that feet should be covered at all times. and Nobody needs to see them. And when you have an open shoe, I uh, don't care for it. This is from the Taco Bell website. Crocs' first mellow slide collaboration with Taco Bell kicks off today, June 13th, with early access for Taco Bell reward members on June 20th and nationwide availability on June 28th. So if you want some Taco Bell Croc slides, you are in luck. Well, the, most, the typical Crocs cover your whole foot except for the back of it. So, Well... And they've got holes in them. Well, that's for breathability. And they're horribly ugly. And they, they might don't be look comfortable. I don't care what it is. They might be it. ugly, but they are really comfortable. I, I don't buy it. So I've got two pair. I've got um, a pair that I've had for over 14 years. Still wearing them. Can't wear them out. And I got another, I got a backup pair just in case those wear out. So that's the only two pair I got. The only, the only way I'll wear them is around the house. I mean, that's basically where I wear them is around the house or if I'm going to go to get gas right quick and not making a, you know, quote unquote an appearance, then I'll wear them. But if I leave the house to make an appearance, I'm put on my tennis shoes and shorts and stuff. But I've got a pair of fake crocs that i got from walmart years ago when i was in cna class and we had to have shoes that were easy slip on and off for class and so i got these that i found at walmart that were like clearance for five bucks or something like that and i was like i didn't really care so i got the ugliest thing i could find took them to school but they they had the little wool or whatever lining in there mm -hmm. and that wore out so I ripped it out but the, the shoes still hold up and that's been about 15 years yeah you can't wear them out well these are fakes but still I, I still think that Crocs might make some of those fakes out there I don't know but they're, they're ugly shoes that I didn't care about and like I said I just wear them around the house like when yeah. I get up in the morning put them on But that's it for the food and clothing. I do have a kind of interesting story from about Virgin Galactic, if you'd like to hear it. Virgin it's, Galactic. Why does that sound familiar? Virgin Airlines. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
This is from USA Today. Virgin Galactic ready to begin commercial flights to space. I summer. thought they've been doing that for a while now. No. They were doing Somebody was. flights to space. Virgin Atlantic or Virgin Galactic has not done it yet. Somebody done it. Yeah, I remember that happening sometime with another company that they were flying commercial flights. Do you remember that one? Uh, it was was it SpaceX with Elon Musk that was taking people? See, I know I remember back because I know Shatner went up. Well, see, I remember um, what's the guy's name in NSYNC? Um, Lance Bass. Lance Bass signed up for it. Um, Lance Bass and several other people signed up for this, but I can't remember if they've already been on it or what. Well, the article does say in 2021, the Federal Aviation Administration grounded Virgin Galactic to investigate a July 11th space flight amid concerns that it deviated off course with Branson on board. I'm not sure who Branson is. Right Branson's the guy who owns Virgin Atlantic. Virgin Galactic? Virgin. He's Richard the one who Branson. owns it. He's a billionaire. Yeah. But I mean, the it's, it's less phallic looking than the SpaceX rocket. I'll give it that. It actually looks like a plane. It actually does look like a plane. So... I don't know what what Elon Musk was trying to compensate for in his rocket, but what's the other one? SpaceX and who? There's another one that uh, Bezos, I think, is doing. Yeah, what is? I can't remember his. Let me look it up. Real quick. It says Blue Origin. Blue Origin LLC is an American aerospace space exploration company and launch service provider headquartered in Kent, Washington, United States. So Blue Origin and SpaceX are the two battling Virgin Galactic is now offering commercial flights, which they may still have to be billionaires. I don't know if it tells you how many how much it costs, but yeah, here it is. Aren't cheap. Re- reserving your seat with Virgin Galactic for a 90-minute space or ride to space isn't cheap. Tickets went on sale to about 1,000 customers last February at a whopping $450,000 a pop. That's just highway robbery. I can understand 10000 but $450,000, they're just stupid as hell for doing it. But now here's something cool about it. For, for lay people like us, but not to fear, for the many people confined to Earth's gravitational pull, the company will offer live streams of both its initial missions on its website, virgingalactic.com. So you can stream the flight to space on virgingalactic.com. So that would be worth watching, I think. Four hundred and fifty million dollars. Well, but by the same token, 
how much does it cost to make the plane, to go into space? It ain't cheap. I know, but $450 million, you're making off of that? I just went to my, my iPhone calculator and did. You you went out there. All his black screen, so he's doing his calculator right now. It seems like it'd be more than $450 because it's $450,000 each. It's $450 million. Thousand times four hundred fifty thousand is four hundred fifty million. That is, we just move it over three spaces because the one would still hold, be a placeholder, basically. That is ridiculous. That is just too ungodly money. But again, how much money does it cost to actually run these? Flights? I would say probably the plane might have costed what ten million, maybe. Well, it's upkeep, it's pilot, it's safety. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Blah 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 blah. I'm here. There better be some damn salmon and some damn cream cheese tarts or something on that damn thing to be feeding me for four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, I mean, honestly, you, you you have to think it's uncharted territory until just a few years ago. Only NASA has been going. And how much does a NASA mission cost? Oh yeah, true. So. But moving on, this next one's from Collider.com. Grab your camping gear and stay at The Conjuring House. The now iconic haunted house inspired the film franchise based on the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Starting at $300 a night, you can camp out at the infamous house located outside Burlville, Rhode Island, that inspired the start of this horror hit in 2013. Current owners have set up eight camping sites on the haunted grounds, and paranormal investigation is incurred. You just have to bring your own equipment. However, it should be noted that this camping experience only gives you access to the grounds, not the house itself. However, there are separate tours and experiences you can also book on your trip to accommodate for that. That being said, if you're sticking to the outdoors, no one would blame you as the grounds are just as haunted as the creepy New England house itself. Now, one time that house was on Airbnb. You could rent it out on Airbnb. Well, you can't rent it out now, but you can apparently tour the house for an additional fee while you're camping for $300 a night. I still won't camp there. I'm good. I mean, it's, I don't camp. Like, I need running water, I need power, I need air conditioning, all that good stuff. I, I am a spoiled child of the 80s. So, I gotta have all that. But, to camp for $300 a night where you bring your own stuff anyways? Really? I mean, they may provide the tents out there, but I very seriously doubt. Because I know where it's saying the, the camping, that you have to bring your own Equipment is for the haunting or the paranormal investigations, but is it really any different with bringing your own camping gear? I wouldn't do it. I mean, just knowing the checkered past of that house? Hell no. No. Especially when you're watching a damn movie and it says, based on true events. Screw that. Mm-mm. 
<laughs> but but anyways, moving on. I've, this next one I've got pulled up from Forbes.com. It's the new requirements to be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar. And I, I have issue with this. And I will I will go into it in a little bit, but I said the key facts are the the Academy announced in September 2020 a set of rules to encourage diversity would take effect with the upcoming 96th Oscars ceremony in March 2024. To be eligible for Best Picture, the ceremony's top prize, a film must meet two of four new diversity standards. The first, Standard A, which has come under fire from conservatives, can be met in one of three ways. One, either one lead or significant supporting character is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Two, at least 30% of the acting ensemble is from at least two underrepresented groups, women, the LGBT community, disabled or deaf people, or people from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. And three, the storyline centers on an underrepresented group. Standard B. Films must meet one of three criteria. At least two creative leaders or department heads, including casting directors, cinematographers, composers, and more, must be from an underrepresented group. At least six crew or technical positions must be from an underrepresented group, or at least 30% of the crew must be from an underrepresented group. Standard C, the film's production, distribution, or financing companies offer paid internship or apprenticeships and training opportunities for people from underrepresented groups. Standard D, the film studio must have multiple senior executives from underrepresented groups on its marketing, publicity, or distribution teams. Now, I'm all for equal opportunity and promoting minorities and showcasing different ethnic groups and sexualities and all that because the more visibility, the more acceptance. However, I am against quotas because one, they don't work. And two, in this case, let's take, well, the whale had an underrepresented minority in Hong Chow, the nurse that was taking care of Brendan Fraser's character. But suppose that nurse had been white. That would have immediately disqualified that aspect. Like they could meet another aspect but you are forcing. Uh, it's forcing all these film companies to comply. Uh, and, no, if the characterization then, does not call for a colored person or a gay person or whatever, don't force it. That's well, bullshit. the other issue I have, a former Best Picture winner, 1917. To be historically accurate... The only way you can put underrepresented minorities in it is to make them the enemy, like the Japanese in, in World War II. Yeah. You know, do you really want to force the negative portrayal of these people, even though that's what history was with it? Or take, for instance, a league of their own. They, they referenced the Negro Leagues and they showed how 
the the female, the black female, should have been on the team by her throwing the ball and the the hand shaking like it hurt when she caught the ball. Yeah, because she threw it so hard and so far. So they referenced how they were kept away, but they didn't really represent them in the movie. And uh, to me, A League of Their Own is one of the greatest films of all time. I love that film. And another one you can consider. And I have yet to meet a person who didn't enjoy the film. Steel Magnolias. Yeah, there's no black people in that film. And it's nothing negative about it. There's They're not making it out like black people are bad, but, you know, it's just that cast did not include any underrepresented minority. No Chinese, nothing like that. They referenced the gay character, but it was more of a, a passing line than it was. And the creator of that himself was gay. So, you know. What is it? Um, all Roberts. Their name Ricker Steve and all game. Steve, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, again, I am all for showcasing minorities and different ethnic groups and sexualities and all of that. Have no problem with it. Don't force it as the only way to earn an award. Because on the flip side, Black Panther, the vast majority of that cast, as it should have been, was Black. Yeah. I would not have wanted it any other way. I mean, that's the way that film should have been done. And it was a phenomenal film. So, you know, you can't just force these changes and force it on the movies because you may lose quality. And a film that needs it may not get the award because it didn't meet these requirements. And that's just wrong. And that's one... They said the the conservatives are losing their minds over it, as you would expect. But... Conservatives just can shut the fuck up. I'm so tired of them bellyaching and bitching about every fucking thing. But it's, basically, I do agree with them that the quotas don't work and should not be forced it should be artistic merit on the film like a film that did meet those criteria and deserved the Oscar the year it won was Crash but it was a fantastic film and it dealt with race relations in LA and it was an honest look at race relations in LA and it was so well done and I've I really didn't think it would have a chance of winning the Oscar because it was released in May. Then it got nominated and won. It shocked me. But it was worthy. I mean, the way they've complained about Budweiser, the way they've complained about Target, the way they've complained about, I mean, a red cup at Starbucks at Christmas time. They barely can bitch about it every year. But you're the snowflake. Yes. And they're the ones boycotting all these companies out here. And now they're boycotting Chick-fil-A because they're woke. God. Chick-fil-A is far from woke. Oh, I know that, but they're boycotting it. 
Yeah, it's all over TikTok. They're boycotting Chick-fil-A. They're looking for another place to go eat. Because they have a policy now that's that includes inclusiveness. That's what happened to Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel got sued till they about lost the business and now they have diversity training and acceptance and and you know for a long time I would not spend my money at Cracker Barrel because one, whenever somebody forced me to go, service was always terrible. Always. But two, I never wanted to go because they fired people strictly for being gay back in the eighties. And they got sued so many times. They actually that was in the nineties. Um, well yeah, I think it started in the eighties. Because I know I know what happened. I'll tell you the story. What happened uh, is I was dating this guy. Um, many years ago, back into the early 90s, we stopped off the Cracker Barrel in Statesville. And um, we just was craving breakfast for supper. That's what we wanted. Hardly anybody in there. They brought us in and set us down. And took our order immediately. Brought our drinks out immediately. We ordered sweet tea. And then they brought our breakfast out. Chris probably in five minutes out there on our table. And then while we're eating the manager of the restaurant, and I'm not making this up, the manager of the restaurant came up to our table and apologized to us because we waited for our food too long. And he, he flipped it. He, he um, got the tab on our table. I know me and him both know what are going on. We we knew what was going on because it's trying to say, trying to say, hey, we want gay people to come here and eat and all this other stuff is trying to win us over. So, at the time, I think our breakfast between the two of us was two twenty two dollars. So what I did, what we did, is we we had enough money on us. We left a twenty two dollar tip on the table. So I mean, we didn't wait, and we wanted to pay for our our dinner because that's what you do. But yeah. he, he comped it. So we just left 22 bucks on the table. I'm sure the server was happy. Yeah. So, But, but no, when, when I was being forced to go, I'd always tell them, this is how it's going to go. They're going to come. They're going to take the drink order. They're going to bring the drink. They're going to take the food order. They're going to bring the food. You will not see them again. Like, oh, no, we get good service. Every single time I was proven right. Well, now it's not like that. They they check on you all the time. Oh, no. Now it's different. It's much different. And we frequent the Cracker Barrel here. Like, we're there all the time. We have three servers that we absolutely love. And whenever we go, we ask for those three. Whichever one's available, that's who we want. Yeah. And we get fantastic service. And, you know, it's... I really have nothing bad to say about Cracker Barrel right now. But they really had to change the way they were because they literally would use the excuse, we are a family restaurant and being gay does not fit our definition of family. So you're fired. Literally, that was what they were saying. And now there's a bunch of gay people working there. Yep. And and one of our favorite servers is gay. Yeah. And I won't say anything more than that. 
because you know it's it's their business but you know it's they treat us well and yeah. they respect us when we're in there they know they're going to get a good tip from us but they also treat us well yeah and we choose them because they do so well every time we're there. But back to awards, because there was another bit of news on the awards front. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association is being shut down because Dick Clark Productions has bought the Golden Globes. Who is in charge of Dick Clark's? productions i am not sure but it has never stopped after his death because you know they still produce dick clark's ryan rocking new year's eve keep talking but um, i don't want to find this out eldridge industries purchased the golden globe assets for dick clark productions which will continue to manage the awards and the awards telecast and focus on expanding the globe's viewership around the world a press release see it said dcp is co-owned by eldrick and penske media and this article is from Reuters, just to clarify. The sale comes after the HFPA struggled to repair its reputation after a Hollywood backlash over its ethics and lack of diversity, which led U.S. television network NBC to drop the Golden Globe ceremony in 2022. The Los Angeles Times investigation in 2021 revealed the organization had no black journalists in its ranks. Some members were accused of making sexist and racist remarks and soliciting favors from celebrities and movie studios. So yeah, all of that was just wrong. Like, again, I'm not for quotas, but how do you not find black journalists in your group of the best to choose from? How are you going to make sexist and racist remarks and solicit favors from celebrities and act in movie studios so and i'm guessing paul's still not found who's running dick clark productions but but while he's looking i'm going to move on to the next thing we can come back to it when he gets that found this is from cord cutters news fubo is adding a new channel from ryan reynolds Today, this was June 15th when this article was published, Fubo announced a new channel from Ryan Reynolds called Maximum Effort. This new channel will feature a new original show from Fubo and Ryan Reynolds called Bedtime Stories with Ryan. Bedtime Stories with Ryan is a 15-episode series directed by Vincent Pioni. The show is produced by Maximum Effort and Fubo in partnership with Art Class and Loon Productions, music by Sleeping at Last. The Maximum Effort channel is a channel that will be home to original and classic TV and movies. Bubo says the channel will also have some surprising content breaks, quote, made for maximum comfort. I'm looking to see if it has anything of, it does not say what. Uh, maximum Effort, a production company co-founded by Ryan Reynolds and George Dewey in 2018, has been granted creative control over the channel's content. Since launching, Reynolds Banner has an impressive creative track record, which includes the Deadpool movies, Free Guy, The Atom Project, and the unscripted show Welcome to Rexham. But it does not say what shows and movies are being planned for. Okay, the I got it. I got it. What you got? 
A gentleman named Todd Bowley of Bowley Entertainment had acquired it in 2016. Then another company acquired it from him <coughs> in 2019. And then whenever Todd Bowley Entertainment Group saw that they that company got rid of Dick Clark Productions, the name, and turned it into a whole entertainment and conglomerate, that really ticked off Todd Bowley off and he bought it back. So now, as in 2021, Dick Clark Productions is back in business, and it's always going to be called Dick Clark's Rock and Eat because that's under contract with CBS. ABC. ABC. Yeah, it's under a contract with ABC. It'll always be called Dick Clark's Rock and Eat, with, uh, even though Ryan Seacrest, per, you know, so. Well, Dick Clark, even though he looked like it, can't live forever and couldn't live forever, so. I mean, he stayed young looking for decades. And you know, um, they still have the countdown with Rock with Dick Clark on the 70s channel on, on Sirius Satellite Radio. No, because I don't have Sirius. Well, you can hear that every Sunday, Dick, Dick Clark is on your radio every Sunday on, on the 70s channel. Now, I will listen to iHeartRadio. They have the Casey Kasem countdown. And they also do Casey Kasem, too, on the 70s channel. And then I do, when I see Casey Kasem on iHeartRadio is 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Like they'll, they'll one that's 70s and then the next one will be the 80s and then they'll keep flip-flopping. But I also have an app where I can listen to the Rick D's Weekly Top 40. Oh, God. Rick D's. I forgot about him. Because when, when I was young, I didn't listen to Rick D's on the weekends. I listened to Casey Kasem because it was the real deal. Like Everybody went with Billboard and Casey Kasem. But now I'm going back and listening to Rick D's. I've been listening to it for years. I've probably heard the same ones way too many times because I've listened to it every weekend. But they play one a week on that app. And you can do the 80s and you can do the 90s. And I don't know how much further it goes because I will not play the 90s because you get Mariah Carey and a whole bunch of other crap on there that I just do not want to hear. Um, is Rick D still alive? Yes. Okay, that's interesting. He is 70-something. Let me look it up real quick. Rick D's born March 14th, 1950, which makes him 73 years old. What Does it mention anything about what he's doing, or is he just retired? I'm guessing he's still producing and stuff. But, you know... People can scoff all they want, but one of the great novelty songs of all time is from Rick D's and his cast of idiots, Disco Duck. How can you not love Disco Duck? They played that on the 70s channel. We listen to the 70s channel sometimes at work on our, in our work. We got to change it over to the 70s channel and they'll they'll play Disco Duck. I did not know that that was Disco Duck. I did not know that was his. That's but pretty cool. Back, back to the news. This is from the HollywoodReporter.com. Sony is just developing things like crazy. Animated Bewitched, a kid's Wheel of Fortune in the works at Sony. Oh, that reminds uh, me. Did you see where Pat Sajak retired? Yeah, and I well, he's got another year. Well, he's retiring, yeah. And that can't come soon enough, let me tell you, because I... If they get a good host, I might be able to watch The Wheel of Fortune. I cannot stand him. 
I cannot stand him. He's not funny. He's annoying, and he just irks me every time I watch. Him. So I don't watch Wheel of Fortune for him. Okay. He's, but the the Hollywood Reporter article says the studios Sony Pictures Television Kids, formerly known as Silvergate Media, is developing animated takes on classic sitcoms Bewitched and The Partridge Family. It's also delving into its library of game shows and unscripted series with early takes on kid-centric versions of Wheel of Fortune and Shark Tank. Now, I don't know how I feel about a kid's Shark Tank show. Mm-hmm. but What are we going to make? Suckers or Legos? or I don't know. Well, I mean, kid inventors. Yeah, I know. There's kid inventors all the time, but I just... Are the kids... The, the sharks, you know, is like, how is that going to work? Or is it, it going to be the same sharks? Is it going to be different sharks with adults? Is it going to be different sharks with their kids? So, but I, I don't care for Shark Tank to begin with, so I'm not overly thrilled about a kid's version of it. But now we got some planning stages. So, First one we'll go into is the one I told Paul about that he is just over the moon about. It has been announced. Hocus Pocus 3 is in the works. Yes! And did you read that article that I sent you about Rosie O'Donnell? No. Because I don't care about Rosie O'Donnell. Well, she was actually up for the part that uh, Kathy and Jimmy played. And Thank God she didn't she- get it. She praised Kathy and Jimmy's performance in it, but she said she couldn't take it because of the making fun of her being fat. And she did not want to present that to the world. So I just I think she could point. be making millions again off of Hocus Pocus. Well, I mean, she could. You be, know, but... last year that Hocus Pocus movie was Disney's number one streamed film. It was well, seen billions of times, <laughs> and people dogged it too, if you recall. Yeah, they dogged it, but why? The, but it got it was the number one streaming uh, movie of all time on their platform, and they're coming out with another one because it was the number one streaming film. Yeah. But anyways, moving on real quick, because there's not any real details to give on Hocus Pocus 3 other than it's planned. Not yet. I keep checking all three actresses' Twitter feeds to see if they're saying anything about it. So far, they're silent. Well, Oh, Sarah Jessica Parker ain't tweeted nothing out in probably six years. Oh, and let's, let's face it. You're not going to get any new information for quite a while if they don't have a script already owned. Oh, I'm sure they've already got one, or else they would announce it. Well, they could have announced it and waiting for the writer's strike to end. True. I mean, but and until also, writer- um, Beetlejuice two was announced, and um, it's on TikTok. They're already showing the house being built in TikTok, and it's and you can see it coming and coming coming together. The the Beetlejuice house, they're building it, and it oh my god, it's just like it was. It's like 
my god, I'm freaking out watching it. Well, I did see that Gina Davis has announced she is not returning. I thought she said she was. No, what I saw, and it makes perfect sense, and it was my question all along. According to what I read, she is not returning because ghosts don't age. And also, um, watch a caller from Jurassic Park. She's coming back. What's what's her name? She's in it. Laura Dern. I don't remember her being in it. Yes, yeah, she wasn't she in it. No, Winona Ryder was. Winona Ryder is going to be back. She's already. Catherine she's O'Hara back. was her stepmother, and she's going to be in it. Catherine O'Hara. That's what I was thinking of. Well, she was not in Jurassic Park. Uh, I couldn't. She was in Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek and Home Alone. Yeah, and SCTV. Well, see, that's the one I was thinking of. So I couldn't think of um, the movie off the top of my head. Uh, Laura Dern was the one in Jurassic Park. Okay. And she was in the episode where Ellen came out on Ellen. Yeah. So, yeah, she's anyway, coming back. Moving on, more casting news. Stranger Things has announced Linda Hamilton mm-hmm. will be in the final season. I saw that. Linda Hamilton of Terminator fame, who was Chuck's mother on the show Chuck, which if you've not seen Chuck, cannot stress enough how much you need to watch it. And probably about 17 years ago, I've sold her furniture. She's in the Hickory Furniture Mart. And next is one from the file. Do we really need it? Lionsgate is developing a new Leprechaun movie. Are you serious? This is from Fangoria. The last several ones are just lame. Following 2018's Leprechaun Returns, it appears Lionsgate is looking to bring the franchise back with a new installment. And I love Leprechaun. Like, the originals are great. The originals are great. They're just so stupid, but there's That's the great. whole point. I want me gold! I want me gold! And it's the cheesy B-rate, B, B movie, you know? But and I, the special I just effects, don't it looks know. like someone took a Heinz ketchup bottle and just poured it on their forehead. I just don't know if we need another Leprechaun movie. Now, how many Leprechaun movies was there, Chris? I think there were six, maybe seven in the original run. And maybe they're what they're trying to do. Leprechaun Reborn. The only thing I can think of is they're probably going to try to do what Scream has done. Revive the brand. And look how well their movies are doing. So, Well, one, they need Warwick Davis back. Who? Warwick Davis. He was the leprechaun. I don't know. The, was I, I, Willow. I don't know the actors or actors' names on that. He was Willow Upgood. He was the leprechaun. He was an Ewok. How old is he now? About our age. I thought he's older than that. Did you not watch the TV series Willow on Disney Plus? No. That was one of the ones we were supposed to review. I didn't remember if you watched it or not. Because you Today? keep not watching what we're supposed this to review. No. no, it's gone. Disney Plus pulled it. You can't oh. watch it now. Oh, that I was another thing I didn't understand. That. When Disney Plus purged all their stuff, 
they purged like all kinds of original content. Because, um, you know, we watched Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made, and we watched the one about the gorilla. I can't remember what the name of it was. But we watched both of those, and we enjoyed both of those. Timmy Failure, I, I thought, was really good. I can't remember. But Willow was one of the, the shows they pulled in a big purge of Disney Plus content. But but since we're talking about Disney, how about Sony's brand of Disney stuff? They have announced a live-action Miles Morales movie and an animated Spider-Woman film. Quote, it's all happening. This is from Variety.com. As Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse finally hit theaters this weekend, the producers behind the trilogy have their attention set on the third installment next year's Beyond the Spider-Verse. However, that's not the only web-slinging project that's on their minds. Producer Amy Pascal says a Spider-Woman and live-action Miles Morales movie are in the works. You'll see all of it, she told me Tuesday at the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse premiere in Los Angeles. Quote, it's all happening. Producer Avi Arad teased that moviegoers will see a Spider-Woman movie, quote, sooner than you expect. I cannot tell you yet, but it's coming, he said. And I like Jessica Drew's Spider-Woman. I watched that show when I was a kid, and I've watched the series again on Disney+. Plus. So I, I really do look forward to it. And the the Into the Spider-Verse movie was really good. I, mean, I know you hate animation because you got that closed mind, but Into the Spider-Verse was a really good movie. I watched the first one. I liked it. Now, I want to see the new one, but I just haven't gotten a chance to. And finally, since we're on the topic of comic book-related stuff, Superman and Lois has been renewed for a fourth season of 10 episodes. Why? Don't be shaking your head and doing all that. Superman and Lois is a very good show. It's the only DC comic show that got renewed by the CW. So it's significant in that alone. They are really driving that into the ground. Really, they're not. This is If you watch Superman and Lois, it is completely different from the other Superman stuff. This is an I older think. Superman. He's got two teenage sons. He's married to Lois. It's stuff we have not seen before. I just can't bring myself to watch another damn Superman Superman thing. Oh, you should because it's really good. Tyler Hecklin plays a very good Superman. I gotta and, trust you on that one. But the the ten episodes are coming with cost. Major starring roles will be Tyler Hecklin, Bitsy Tillup, and I can't remember the two boys' names, but their sons. And the new actor playing Lex Luthor. Those are your main cast for next season. All the other main cast has been relegated to recurring roles. And I have to say, for a 10-episode season, that makes sense. Like, you want to focus on the Kent family. And, like, right now, they've been doing a, an arc where Lois has breast cancer. And it's been a really good story arc on there. And like I said, that's something you do not see in other Superman stories. So this show has really hit the mark. A lot of fans of the show 
And this one they thought was going to be on the bubble because of the cost for production, whereas they thought Gotham Knights would be renewed because it's not as expensive. But Gotham Knights got the axe and this got an episode, a 10 episode season four. So I'm at least happy about that. I wish we got more episodes, but 10 is better than none. And according to Tyler Hecklin, this season ends on a huge cliffhanger that the fans would have been horribly upset over if it got canceled. So, kind of like X-Files. Well, the X-Files was intentionally a cliffhanger. I'm still bitter about that. Well, I mean, that's the nature of the X-Files. Questions that aren't answered. When they answer questions, they give you more. That's the way the X-Files always ran. Okay, well, how much more have we got to go on this segment? Well, that's the end of the entertainment. Now we've just got... Like I said, there were a lot more. I, I condensed it to a few to talk about that have passed. Because first up, I have to mention it. We've been talking about comic books. Comic book legend John Romita Sr. passed away at the age of 93 last week. And he was known for working on Amazing Spider-Man and so many other books. And, you know, without him, we wouldn't have the characters that we have today. So major, major contributor to comic books. Next up, we have Carol Higgins Clark, which really surprised me when they announced she passed. She was 66. And, you know, a lot of her books were turned to TV movies. And she is the daughter of Mary Higgins Clark, who you may know better, but Mary Higgins Clark died in 2020. They she collaborated with her mother on four different novels. But it was appendix cancer at the age of 66 that got Carol Higgins Clark on June 12th. Next up was, this is from People.com, Treat Williams, star of Everwood and Hare, dead at 71 following motorcycle accident. And I don't know if you really know Treat Williams, but the thing that instantly comes to my mind for him was The Phantom, the movie with Billy Zane, because I yeah. love that movie, even though people hated it. But I, I thought that movie was great. And, I mean, he's been in a ton of other stuff, but when I think of Treat Williams, that's what I think of is his villain role in the family. Do you remember any of his roles right offhand? Hmm. Is he wasn't the, the biggest household name, but he was in he's in some pretty major stuff. So but finally is one you and I talked about a little bit and have to mention it. Former WWF World Heavyweight Champion who dropped the belt to Hulk Hogan, the Iron Sheik, passed away at the age of 81. And the biggest shame of that is his Twitter account. Because we've talked about the Twitter account on the show before, but his tweets were absolutely amazing, hilarious, always attacking Hulk Hogan. And just if you read through his tweets, which I recommend you do, they will put a smile on your face. And he was never my favorite wrestler. I didn't know him when he was younger to really gain the respect for him that I should have. But 
his Twitter account won me over completely. So, again, if you have never read through the tweets of the Iron Sheep, go to Twitter and do that because they are phenomenal. And that brings us to the end of part one. So we will be back with reviews of Trixie Motel, The Lazarus Project, and Stage Mother. Stay tuned, everybody. First, let's go through the top 10 films as ranked by Box Office Mojo. And of course, we've missed a few weeks, so we'll just go with the most recent one. At number 10, Asteroid City with over 853,000 in six theaters in its first weekend in release. Down from six to nine is Fast X with over 2.1 million in its fifth weekend for almost $142.5 million total. Down from five to eight is The Boogeyman, the Stephen Kane adaptation. Third weekend release, $3.645 million for a total of $32.6 million. Down from four to seven is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, with over five and a quarter million in its seventh weekend for over $344.6 million so far. Debuting at number six, The Blackening, with over $6 million. Down from three to five is The Little Mermaid, and its fourth weekend brought over $11 million for a total of over $253 million so far. Dropping from one to four is Transformers Rise of the Beasts, $20.7 million in its second weekend for $101.3 million so far. Down from two to three is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and its third, third weekend brought in just over $27 million for a grand total of over $279.5 million. Damn. Debuting at number two is Elemental, which is one of the lowest box office openings of Pixar ever. And that is significant because of number one. 29.6 million in its opening weekend. So clearly this was not a huge box office weekend. And of course, they're calling The Flash a flop. But it opened at number one with $55 million. And it's... What's the world up. title? What's the world title for the Flash? Well, I looked it up because I knew you'd want to know the budget as well. Google says with a production budget of two hundred million dollars and an advertising budget of at least sixty-five million dollars, the Flash must make around two hundred sixty-five million to four hundred million at the box office at the global box office to break even. International box office is seventy-four and a half million. So in its first weekend, just under one hundred forty-one million dollars worldwide. So it is possible for this film to break even and make money. It'll it'll break even. And I'm really curious. What about Guardians of the Galaxy? It's been out for a while. What's their dollar figures for worldwide? Uh, that one I didn't have pulled up. So domestic is 346, 409, 833, 42.1% of the gross. International is 57.9%, 476,791,856 for a total of 823000 $823,201,689. That's pretty good for a Marvel film of, you know, that. But I'm going to try mm-hmm. to see The Flash um, this coming. I doubt I'll be able to see it this weekend before, before Monday. I doubt I can, but. For, 
According to Google, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was produced on a reported budget of $250 million, which is massive and grossed $118 million in its opening weekend at the domestic box office. This was seen as a bit of a disappointment, although it came in line with updated pro projections. So you hear the flash is a flop, but Guardians also came in underestimate, and it's not a flop. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like no matter what DC does, people just choose to hate it. Yeah. And I did see The Flash today. I'm going to hold my review until next week for Paul to be able to chime in. I'll but, hope I can see it. So, Well, if you can't, I'll still review it next week. But that gives you the chance to try and see it. I'll see if I can't go tomorrow night. That's the only night I'm probably going to be able to see it or Friday night. So. But I will say, we went today, there was a grand total of four people in the theater. You are fucking kidding me. No. But like I said, we'll talk about now, that one next week. I've seen excerpts of Michael Keaton being Batman. Someone's filmed it and put it on TikTok. And it looked like it's pretty cool. So, what I've seen. But... But that'll bring us to our two Pride reviews that we have this week. And we can go through these pretty quickly because one is a makeover show. Well, not it's, it's a motel makeover show. But it's Trixie Motel, which was on Discovery Plus, now is also available on Max. 7.7 .7 out of 10 with 829 reviews. The, the premise is Trixie Mattel, one of the drag queens from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, has bought a motel and she is renovating the motel and making themed rooms. Now, I like some of these shows like Extreme Home Makeover I could do and I really enjoyed Changing Rooms on BBC America when it was shown. I mean, it was BBC production, but it was on BBC America in the US. And then Trading Spaces, I just can't get into but Trixie Motel, I actually got into, and I really enjoyed a couple of the rooms. A couple of them, I was like, eh, I would not want to stay there. But a couple of them, I really liked. What did you think, Paul? Um, I watched the first step because I had really time for them. Um, they paid $2.1 million for it online, I think. They bought it for $2.1 million. And when, I, when they got there, it looked like a rat motel. So, um, yeah, it needed a lot of work. Wasn't the budget $500,000 to redo the whole it, thing? The, the projected budget was 500000 Spoiler, I mean, they went over. Of course it did. It's Trixie. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, and there's a lot of celebrity guests in this. And I, I pointed out to Paul in episode six, I believe it was, Leslie Jordan shows up. I do want to watch that episode with Leslie in it. So it was fun, and there's a lot of the celebrities are in there for nothing to do with the um, hotel itself. And then I want to—I can't ever remember her name, but she helped in the first room. She actually like painted on the walls and stuff. Was it Nicole Byer? Maybe. I, I can't remember her name. I never can keep her name straight. But she actually came in and worked on the room. 
um, the the masked country singer. I can't ever remember his name, but he wears a mask every time he performs. Yeah, he was on it. Um, so there were there were people that you will know, and people that you won't. But the Trixie is in drag in a lot of it, but Trixie's also out of drag in a lot of it. So that's kind of refreshing to see them out of character as well. That eye makeup just kills me. Oh, it's. Trixie has a very significant or very unique look. And of course, her name gives it away that she's going for a Barbie type of look. So. And I love that Cadillac she drives that that drives around in. (laughs) I will say that if you enjoy um, makeovers, like changing rooms, trading spaces, uh, Extreme Home Makeover, uh, any of those, the the Property Brothers. If you like those shows, I think you will enjoy this show. It's, oh, I love I watching Property Brothers, and I also love another one of my dirty pleasures is watching them. But I also love watching. Um, oh my God, it's got David and watch color on there. Love it or list it. And spoiler: the Property Brothers show up in Trixie Motel. Oh, do they? They do. Wow. So, I mean, it's it's really, if, if you don't mind the drag queen aspect of it, it's your typical building makeover show. And the theme rooms are fun. They Another spoiler without really spoiling anything, because there's really no plot to this. But they visit the Brady Bunch house. Oh, yeah, yeah, we talked about it being for sale where they renovated it and changed it to look like the Brady Bunch TV show, they actually visited and toured the Brady Bunch house. So that was kind of fun, too. So there's little things like that throughout it. And like I said, if you get the chance, definitely watch it. It's especially if you like the the home makeover shows. Yeah. But with that, we will move on to Stage Mother. This is available on Prime with a subscription to Prime. Uh, It is RYM. I'm not sure what that stands for, but it's on Google RYM. 2.8 out of 5. IMDb has it 6.5 out of 10 with over 2,700 reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter with 36 reviews. 61%. 61%. The audience score with over 100 ratings is 74%. Well, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Um, I really enjoyed this film. I thought I wasn't going to because Chris knows how I feel about gay films. Because a lot and of them are... Push this one on. Huh? Well, I pushed this one on because it's different. It's yeah, not what so he, I was blindsided with this one. I didn't know what to expect. And usually it's their it's you know oh i really like this what do you think about this plant oh yes brad i really like that plant too i think it's going to be great in the living room there's no acting quality to it whatsoever most of the time the gay film stuff and i just roll my eyes every time so but this one's different this one is a story about um a son who grew up, you know, who realized they were gay at an early, early age. 
and um, ended up moving to uh, San Francisco, wasn't it, Chris? Yes. As he got older, and um, the parents were Southern Baptists. His mother taught choir in a um, church and, um, you know, just severely sheltered um, about everything. And then they, they, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what happens. So something tragic happens to the son. And well, that's, son, that's the very beginning of the movie too. So it's not really a spoiler. That is yeah. the premise of the film. So something happens tragic to their son. Someone gets in contact with him and tells them, you know, your son has passed. So um, the mother goes to San Francisco to go see where her son lived and, you know, possibly because to settle the estate but she finds out that she and her husband has inherited a drag bar and um she basically goes in and works with these drag queens to turn it around and turns it into be a profitable one and she ends up making friends with all of them so um i liked it i really liked the film and i liked how it ended because it made me upset that it went, she went back to that fucking husband of hers. And then... Well, just, um, let's just give it all away there, Paul. Well, who cares at this point? It's it's a great movie. It, there's a lot of good, cool one-liners in it. There's um, It's like she's the mother of all those drag queens there. And it is a feel-good movie. I, I really got to tell you, I really did enjoy it, Chris. I did enjoy it. I thought I and, wouldn't, but about 15 or 20 minutes in it I could tell and I thought is that Lucy Lou? That was Lucy Lou. So yep. there's actually some really good actors and actresses in this film. The Since you mentioned it, the cast, Lucy Lou was Sienna. Uh, Jackie Weaver is Maybelline Met, Metcalf the mother who inherits the bar. Adrian Grenier is her son's ex or wood, I guess widower. Yeah. Um Maya Taylor was Cherry. Oscar Moreno is Tequila. Jackie Beat, a well-known drag queen, plays Dusty. Um, so yeah, there's there are several names, some not as well known as others, but in certain circles, some of these names are extremely well known. One thing that I thought of through this, and I don't know if you caught on, who did the mother make you think of? The mother. Yes. Made me think of, like, as in, okay, a televised, like a television mother? Well, like an, an icon, and it happens that she is a gay icon. But... Oh. Um, like All in the Family? Her? No. Who? Did she not make you think of Debbie Reynolds? I was thinking more Paula Abdul, a Paula, a Paula Dean, because she looks more like Paula Dean to me. But well, just the the character itself and the the performance and all that, like the the fact that she was a singer and performer. Oh, uh, it made me that. think of Debbie Reynolds. Like Debbie Reynolds would have been perfect in that role if she could have played it. Yeah, because you know Debbie Reynolds was Grace's mother on Will and Grace. I can see so that's that. why I think she was a gay icon as well. True. But I, I agree I mean, with that. That was my thought with it. But yeah, we watched it. We loved it. And 
I would how most could the audience, definitely watch it. How could the audience give it such a low score? That's bullshit. It's a really good movie. Well, the audience gave it a what? A 67. 74%. No, the critics were 61%. Audience was 74%. That's still too low. That's a good movie. It's not a terrible was this put, Was this straight to streaming or did it come out? Uh, let's see what IMDb has listed. I, I, the only trivia was that it was filmed in Nova Scotia. Since it was released August 21st, 2020 in the United States. So it did come to the screen. I, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was on the screen. Uh, United States, June 28th, 2020. Frameland San Francisco International Lesbian and Gay Film Festival, July 16th, Provincetown Film Festival Reimagined. So it was it was at least in film festivals. It probably only played like art houses because like an AMC or something wouldn't have made a lot of money off of it. But it was a good film. I'm going to actually tell certain friends to watch it. It's actually cute. And and to answer your question, the worldwide gross on the box office was $28,669. It was not out for long. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely would watch it again. I would definitely suggest watching it to anybody who asks. I thought it was a really well done film. Very entertaining. So yeah, if you get the chance, definitely watch it. And with that, we will move from our Pride Month reviews to our new series, which is not all that new because it was on in the UK last year. But The Lazarus Project is now airing on TNT, three episodes down. Uh, IMDb has it 7.1 out of 10 with 4,600 reviews. Average tomato meter, 100%. Average audience score, 70%. And I'm trying to see if it has more than one review, but I don't see any of the reviews posted on here. So I don't, it doesn't say how many reviews it got for 100% average on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has a critic score of 100. And basically, what it is, is there is a group that every time the world ends, they go back in time to a set point, and that set point is July 1st. Every year, July 1st is the new set point. And the the guy that's the star of this starts to remember reliving. July 1st. Yeah, he knows that the time is repeating. And basically, he is a mutant who can figure this out. And it's it's kind of complicated, so you kind of have to watch it. But it also makes perfect yeah, sense a, to watch it. it. It's a lot of details, and you really got to pay attention to it. So um, at one point in my head, I'm going, so is this, do you remember My Bloody Valentine, that movie? Of course. This was coming off as bloody Valentine to me at one point. Because she I don't kept see that at all. Well, she kept reliving, you know, the next morning, here she wakes up. That it's was not my thing. bloody Valentine. What my was? bloody Valentine was the coal miner with the pickaxe 
what about what you know thinking happy death day death happy death day that's what it is she I, was gonna, say, I don't see how you compare this to my bloody valentine well no she well, I, I can't remember the name of it but she wakes up it's the next morning and she's remembering little things and then she dies and then she wakes up again and here she is again so it kind of reminded me of that just a little bit and then i started well, thinking is this groundhog day that's that's what i was going to say it's basically the groundhog day story where you relive but this one is time travel so it's back to the future and groundhog day mixed together yes yeah, so i was thinking i was putting everything the blocks together in my head i was like this is very groundhog day-ish <laughs> and and there's they show what happens when you go back in time and change things and it's some of it's really sad some of it's really good and i don't know how far you've gotten into it but they show the effects on other people's lives as well because there's been three episodes now that i've watched all three and it shows the toll it takes on the people who do the rewinding and everything so it's I think they've really done a really good job with it. It's a BBC production, so of course, usually high quality there. I mean, they did World on Fire, which was a World War II show that aired on Masterpiece on PBS, season two coming in October. Cannot tell you how good that show is. Like, it's fantastic. But this one, not as good as World on Fire, but I really enjoy this show, and I'm really looking forward to see how it all plays out. But it's World ending is pandemic. It's military strikes. It's all kinds of different things that cause the world to die. And they rewind to prevent. So, and it's the whole thing of playing with time travel that they get into. And so, yeah, it's, it's a complicated story, but it's good. And I definitely would suggest it. Do you think, what do you think, Paul? Continue I like watching. it. I, I plan on continuing to watch it. Well, with that, I do believe we are finished. Now, I know two things we will be reviewing next week if you can get it in. The Flash, of course, as we said, and Secret Invasion premiered today on Disney+. Plus. I knew you wouldn't have time to watch it. I haven't had time to watch it, so we'll get that in for Monday. I'll try. It's, it's one episode an hour, so okay. I think you'll be able to get that one in if you can't get the flash. Because I normally have Mondays off, but i got to work this Monday because of um, staffing issues. So Those pesky staffing issues. Anybody needs a job, come see me at Hickory Park Furniture Gallery. <laughs> there you go. You heard it. Call oh. soliciting help. Not soliciting other things, just help in the showroom. We need help in our office and in the showroom. So, but any any final words, Paul? No, just there's some really things that me and Chris has found out. Some stuff has happened in our personal lives, and it involves one of our friends. Please, and I beg of you, please be aware aware of your surroundings. And don't, if you live in a big city, don't go out by yourself, please. 
also, I want to point out something. And it's the political landscape these days. The hate that is permeating society. Yeah. We have got to get away from that. Like, there is no reason for us to have so much hate in this world. And it just keeps getting worse. I mean, look at the people who lost their minds over a beer can that was made for one specific person, not mass marketed, and they lost their minds over it. Look at the bills that they're trying to pass. Although the bills are being defeated. The Tennessee drag ban was overturned by a Trump-appointed judge. The There's a challenge to Florida's laws. So... Ron DeSantis is currently being sued by Disney. Yeah. So, I mean, the evil is not winning, but it's permeating. And we need to step away from that evil. Like, these are people who claim to follow Jesus and ignore all of the teachings of Jesus. Speaking of evil, hopefully evil will go to prison here soon. Well, he's now been arrested twice. So... Yes, yeah, so and now the latest is he's got 72 federal indictments on him well and did you hear that about the the audio recording that surfaced oh shit that's even worse did you see where brett bayer he did an interview with him and he actually he admitted that he withheld documents from the department of justice he actually admitted it and and my favorite is all the people say he can claim whether they're classified or not no No, that's not quite how it works. And plus, after he's lost the election, he can no longer deem they're declassified regardless. If the Justice Department wants them back, he has to give them back. The difference with him and Biden is Biden's aides found the documents, Biden's aides turned over the documents, and Biden has cooperated with the investigation. Yeah, Trump did not cooperate with the investigation did not give back the, the documents, did not have his aides turn any over. The only documents he turned over are the ones that he's not being persecuted for. What What gets me is the fucker had over a year to cooperate with him, and he, they, them, and he didn't do it. And just stacks in the bathroom, not the stacks on the stage in a ballroom. They are not secure. And stacked up in a shitter, too. And and since we're talking about the classified documents that he had, look up the number of U.S. intelligence, like spies and such, that disappeared while Trump was in office. Yep. So draw your own conclusions. Okay. But, but the audio recording that surfaced was supposed to be him saying he has classified documents. Look at them. Like, trying to show people the classified yeah, documents. It surfaced. And his response to that was not, that's not me, that didn't happen. His response was, oh, they were newspaper articles. When is a newspaper article classified? He is He is a, he is a lawyer's nightmare. He won't keep well, his Well, that's why his lawyer quit. quit. The, the indictment was handed down, and his lawyer's Literally quit. Like that. We're done. We're out. Can't win this one. Bye-bye. We're here. So, yeah. it's. But, yeah, hopefully he goes down and 
when when he goes down, hopefully the evil stops. I did see on the view they said his numbers are dropping to where there could be a way for Trump to not get the Republican ticket. And to me, wait on the indictment if he doesn't get the Republican ticket and then arrest him after he loses the election because if he is third party against the Republican, he splits that vote and the Democrats win. Well, Mitt Romney put his hat in the ring, so good for him. Good for him. Well, I'm not a Romney fan, but he's way better <laughs> of a choice than <laughs> what we've got. Way better. I mean, I mean, I hate Chris Christie. Chris Christie has done terrible things, but he's still a better choice than anybody else running. Yeah. I mean, Chris Christie's the one who closed off the bridge and caused an ambulance to not be able to get through, which possibly caused the death of an elderly woman. Yeah, I remember that. So, I mean, that's still better than what we have as an alternative. But with that, I do believe we are done. So, oh, until next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.